and a partridge in a pitch. Be a good day, amen. <laughs> uh, turn, if you would, first of all, to Luke chapter 2. As we think about uh, the advent this morning of joy, we have lighted a candle for hope. Where's our candle lighter? What did he do? Go home? We've, <laughs> we've lit a candle for hope. We've lit another candle for uh, faith, peace. And this morning we light the pink candle representing joy. What a joy to be able to be son of God, child of the Lord on this Christmas. As we think about joy this morning, uh, these attributes come from uh, the Lord himself. Uh, they're not learned. You don't learn how to have joy. You don't learn how to have peace. Uh, you can try, but it's not going to work. It only comes through Jesus Christ. And Christmas has been commercialized so much in our day that we don't even really get to enjoy anything in Thanksgiving or anything because we're too bent on getting everything ready for Christmas. And uh, it's been commercialized and it's been made family-wise, and, and I, I don't want to, I want to be very, very careful what I say here. Uh, some of you have lost loved ones this year, and Christmas is not going to be a happy, happy, joyful time for you, or maybe not a happy, happy time. Uh, and we've all experienced those things before. But could I just remind you of one simple fact and please don't tar and feather me. Christmas is not about family. Christmas is about the Messiah coming. And I want to tell you that the truth is I've got loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord. I still like to talk about them and remember them. I know a lot of people say, oh, no, I can't do that. It's just too tough. I still like to talk about them and remember them. And, you know, I, there's nothing I like more than having my entire family sitting around the table at Christmas or Thanksgiving and hearing my grandchildren talk about how mean and, and uh, their, uh, their, my mother was because she got a fly swatter a hold of them. <laughs> and I'm thinking, dear Lord, what would happen if somebody got a belt a hold of you or one of them good limber switches? You know, these kids today, it's a flyswatter, pop, pop, you know. Just tears them all up. <laughs> but the truth is, Christmas is about Jesus. And we want to involve family. And sometimes there's some good days and sometimes there's some bad days. But I'll tell you, Jesus is still real no matter what day you're going through. He's still there. Uh, what a privilege it was for the angels to announce that the king was coming. The Messiah was going to be born. What a privilege. What a joy for those angelic messengers. But could I remind you today that those angels, they were not human. They have never known what it was like to be lost. 
You see, just for them to announce that Jesus was coming is in the same principle of us announcing the gospel. We, we ought to be thrilled about announcing the gospel to a world because we once walked in darkness and now we walk in the light. So therefore, if anybody ought to be thrilled about the coming of the Lord, the Messiah, it ought to be the children of God. So I want to just think for a few moments. If you would, uh, let's look at Luke chapter 2. Stand with me, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. And we'll begin in verse 1 and just read. The Bible says it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you again today. Beautiful music, Lord. Thank you for everything that you've given us and blessed us with. And I pray now, Father, your spirit would have control of everything said, everything heard, everything done in these next few moments. May you be honored and glorified. Oh, God, would you do something special in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Why should we be rejoicing? Why should we be joyful uh, in this time of Christmas season? I jotted down a few things. I started to call Brother Case about 7 this morning and say, look, my voice is about gone. It's not COVID. I'm not sick. I've had 14 tests. Finally found one that said it was negative, so I don't have COVID. Amen. I'm just joking, just joking. I just mulched leaves on the mower, and I, got, uh, all, I didn't have a mask on. You know, some men, we don't need things like that. And uh, sometimes we do. Amen. Uh, but anyway, I'm fine, but uh, you're going to have to listen to my voice. It's not real good today. But I jotted down these things here. We ought to be joyful at Christmas because, number one, the gospel banishes fear. It banishes fear. Joy is a feeling. Now, I know people say, oh, preacher, you don't need to get emotional. Uh, we don't need emotions. Well, I'm going to tell you, when I got saved, I got emotional. I cried like a baby. You, you don't have to. I'm not saying you have to, but I'm saying that fear is an emotion. And in order to, not only do we have the good news because it banishes fear, uh, and it's all based on the coming of the Messiah. We're, we're joyful today because Jesus came. 
And then not only did he come, I know there's still some looking for him the first time, but we know he's already been. We're joyful because he's coming again. And it banishes fear. Fear not, he said in verse 10. The Bible says the shepherds were sore afraid. That means they were shook. Well, why shouldn't they be? God had not spoken in 400 years. 400 years. And suddenly the angels are there in the fields with the shepherds saying that there's a Messiah and the birth of Jesus was announced. You see, the antidote to fear is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you've got Jesus living inside of you, you don't need to fear anything. So the second thing would be not only is it joyful because it banishes fear, but it's good news and joyful because it brings great joy. He said in verse 10, Behold, I bring you good tidings of joy. No, 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 this is great joy. We're not talking about just having chicken and dumplings. We're talking about great joy. He brings us great joy. You see, we, we know him as our Savior. We know him as our Redeemer, our Deliverer, our Shepherd. And there are differences between each one of those. Sometimes people try to make Savior and Redeemer the same one, and, and they can be. But, but a Savior would be someone like if you were drowning, and I jumped in to help you and kept you from drowning, and I brought you on shore and left you there. I would be your Savior. I saved your life. But see, if I just left you there, I'd be your Savior. But Jesus doesn't just leave us when we get saved. He walks with us. He's not only our Savior, He's our Redeemer. He's the one who died for our sin. He didn't just save us. He's walking with us every day. So <clears throat> before we recognize Him as Savior, Redeemer, Deliverer, and Shepherd, we first must recognize Him as the Lamb of God hanging on that tree as the Lamb of God that was born in that manger hanging on that tree as the Lamb of God who went in that bar of tomb looking around at this assembly here today you, you, you don't know my heart I don't know your heart I'll be honest with you my heart's been broken the last uh, this last year some of the men of God that I would hang my hat on have turned out to be fake and false I want to tell you, that breaks my heart. But it reminds me that no one knows my salvation but me. No one knows your salvation but you. You can sit here and fool every one of us, and you can, it, it, you know, that's all fine. But I'm telling you, you're not going to fool the King of kings and Lord of lords. You're not going to fool him on that day. I'm afraid there's a lot of people who don't know anything about personally knowing Jesus Christ as their Savior. When you know Jesus, he'll give you joy. And you won't look like you've been sucking marbles out of a persimmon hole. I mean, you'll be excited. You're going to be joyful. The third thing here, though, I look at is the gospel is joyful and good news because it's for all people. That, that's what the Scripture said. I bring good tidings, verse 10, to all people. The gospel is adapted to the needs of all mankind. This gospel that we preach is good anywhere. You go to Kenya and you can preach this gospel. You go to Haiti, you can preach this gospel. You go to Brazil, you can preach this gospel. You go to Las Vegas, you can preach this gospel. Uh, several years ago, uh, on one of my first trips there, 
to Kenya, <clears throat> I noticed we took a different route. And I said something about, was there a new road? Because they're always, they call them roads. We wouldn't call them that here, but they call them roads. And he said, no, we're, we're avoiding the Civic Center. And I said, well, wh why are we avoiding the Civic Center? Uh, he said, Benny Hinn is here tonight. I said, oh, okay. Well, you know, uh, I, I don't want to run folk down, but I said, what, what, why? What's happening? He, he, he said, they're, they're having a brawl down there. They're running Benny out of town. And I said, well, why are they running Benny out of town? They said, because his prosperity gospel don't work over here in Kenya. You start talking about two cars in everybody's garage, and they ain't even got a garage. I mean, when I was there that day, uh, that week there with preaching to preachers, we had men that walked two solid days to get there. And our church paid the, all the travel expense for them, and he handed me the bill, and I said, no, there's got to be something, something. Some of them took buses and all this. He said, you could take a bus anywhere across Kenya for about $3 at the most I'm thinking wow but I want to tell you something the gospel the, bar, the death burial and resurrection of Jesus doesn't have anything to do with the prosperity gospel now Jesus will prosper you don't misunderstand that you'll be blessed if you serve the Lord I can prove that but just to say hey you give me your money that's what the prosperity gospel you send your money here I want to tell you something. You listen, those of you who listen by live stream, you send your money here and I'll spend it. That's what they ought to be telling you on television. Amen. All right. It, it, it's for all people. Guys, I, I have little sympathy and, and I don't want to get in crosshairs and all with these guys, but these men who try to limit salvation to certain people. I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for those because the Bible says that Christ died for all who will come. Whosoever meaneth whosoever for all. You say, preacher, you don't believe in election? I get letters all the time and I get phone calls and every once in a while somebody, I do believe in election. But election comes after you've been saved. You don't need to preach election to a lost and dying world. You need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Election's not going to get them saved. Jesus is who's going to get them saved. You preach Jesus and the gospel to him. It is for all people. You accept him, he'll accept you. You reject him, he'll reject you. It, it, it's a give and take situation. God gives and I take. That's what salvation is. Now, some of you sitting there saying, I don't take nothing. I don't want no handout. I don't want nothing. Then you'll never be saved. Because I want to tell you, you cannot buy your salvation. You can't earn your salvation. You can't be good enough. You couldn't be good enough. I know most of you couldn't be good enough if you could be good enough. You can't be good enough. Christ died on the cross for our sin. If there would have been any other way, don't tell me he would have died. No. He gives, we take. That's what salvation is all about. Now then, fourthly, <clears throat> the individual emphasis is placed on the individual. He said the gospel is for all people. 
but it's unto you. Unto you. Some of you, I hear you all the time. Preacher, I, I can't do anything anymore. Yeah, you can. If you couldn't, you wouldn't be here. God's got a purpose for every one of us. You can serve the Lord until your last breath. I mean, you, you don't cop out and say, I can't do that. Young people say, we're too young to do that. No, you're not too young. Well, nobody ever asked us to do anything. Well, it might be because you're not down here acting like a child of God sitting up there playing on your phones. Maybe if you grow a little bit spiritually, you can, I mean, you ought to be taking up the offering. These young people ought to be taking up the offering. Hey, it is unto you. You have a calling that God has given you, and, and no one can fulfill it except you. And then fifthly, the gospel is good news, and it's a brings joy because it saves. That's the primary reason for Jesus coming to this earth to save his people from their sin. A Savior, he said in verse 11, which is Christ the Lord. The primary reason for the Savior's advent was that he might be the Savior of his people. <clears throat> Matthew 1, 21. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? He shall save his people from their sins. He not only saves people from their sin, he's a Savior from sin. He's able to save them, Hebrews 7 says, to the uttermost. And then he's a Savior from self from ourselves. Romans 8, 2. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I don't know. It blows my mind that people get saved and want to live under the law. It doesn't make any sense. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And so now he says, we've moved up to a place that's called the church age in Revelation. <coughs> where we're under grace. There will come a day when we're called up to meet him that the day of grace will end. The church age will end. Your chance to be saved like you're saved now, it'll end. It'll not be here anymore. The Holy Spirit will be gone. So he saves from self. And then he's a savior from Satan. To open their eyes, Acts 26, 18, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified in faith. Wow. It's good news because he saves us. He saves us. <coughs> Excuse me. The gospel also is good news because it glorifies God. We didn't read verses 13 and 14, but, but the scripture says there in those verses there, and suddenly there was with an angel of the multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. You see, you want to know what your purpose is? Your purpose is not to sing in the choir. Your purpose is not to teach Sunday school. Your purpose is not to preach. Your purpose is not to even be a soul winner. Your purpose is to glorify God. That's what you're here for. You're here to glorify God. Can the Holy Spirit say amen to what you are doing today? Can the Holy Spirit say, hey, you're glorifying the Son in what you're believing today? Because that's what you're here for. The gospel is the central theme of heaven. Nothing glorifies God more than preaching and sharing the gospel. Mm. 
Didn't get many amens there, but I will tell you, it's still the truth. And you ought to figure out some ways. I'm not telling you there's one way that's right. I'm just saying, in these last days that we're living, there are people that need the gospel. I uh, got a letter uh, yesterday from Dr. Mike Smith, good friend of ours. He's preached here before. He was president at Jacksonville Baptist College. And he retired, him and Susan. And they're in Standish, Maine. And Mike started there. He said, I've got all the retirement I need. I've got plenty of money. They sold their house, sold their furniture, sold their clothes, sold everything they could sell, bought a 40-foot fifth wheel and a dually diesel, and they took off just to do mission work, just to enjoy life. I mean, just to help. No, no salaries, no nothing. Well, he ended up in Standish, Maine. Started out with eight people. Last Sunday, he had 64. He's had 95 before. And you know what he said? He said, all I'm doing is just preaching the gospel. They baptized 16 people in Standish, Maine. Did you know Maine is the number one per capita state with unchurched people in it? I mean, everybody, you knock on the door down here in Texas. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to First Baptist Church. Oh, who's the pastor? Oh, that was about, let's see, Dr. Smith. Oh, yeah, he was there in the 30s. <laughs> huh? Everybody down here has got a church home. But 75% of those people tell you right at the door, we don't have a church home. Not interested in one. Hey, the gospel is what's important today. It's the good news. Uh, and and, and it, it will glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. The seventh thing here, I'm almost through. The gospel is good news because it gives real and lasting peace. I preached on that Wednesday night, but there were two or three of y'all not here. It brings peace. Only Jesus can bring peace. Nothing else matters. Nothing else doesn't bring peace. The gospel, uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Jesus is alone our peace. The coming of the Prince of Peace is what the Advent's all about. It's what Christmas is all about. And then let me just give you this last thing here. The gospel is good news because I'm telling you it's true. You say, preacher, you can't prove it's true. I think I can. I think I can. It wasn't very long ago. Uh, Kay wasn't here and and glory wasn't here and i don't know how i got on the phone with the news reporter but i ended up on the phone with him and he asked this question and i don't usually talk to news guys because they they won't say what you say they just take a little quote out of it and you know make you look like an idiot i can do that by myself <clears throat> he said uh, we're calling around who said amen out there today? Would you people listening by live stream pray for me? Uh, he said, uh, I would like to get, we're getting pastor's opinions uh, on uh, whether or not you think Jesus is the only way to heaven. And I think, uh oh, this is no end, no end. God gave me the right verse, bless God. I said, you know what, I, I don't have an opinion on that. He said, you're a pastor of a Baptist church and you don't have an opinion? I said, no, I don't have an opinion on that. Well, 
I said, now, I've got a scripture I can give you. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But that's not my opinion. I'm telling you, that's the word of God. Listen, you don't need my opinion today. What you need is the opinion of God. That's who you need. This world doesn't need my opinion. I want to tell you, if I was judge of this world, I'd done wiped a bunch of people off the face of this earth. I guarantee you. I've got names and addresses. You, you, you don't need opinion when you've got the Word of God. You say, how can we know it's the Word of God? It's holy, it's inspired, it's inerrant, it's all-sufficient, it's reliable. And one of the greatest way to prove that it's reliable is to just look at the Christmas story. I mean, these guys were prophesying this stuff hundreds of years before. And yet, listen, what God has not fulfilled, he shall fulfill. You can count on that. Hundreds of years before. Psalm 86, 7, 87, 6. The Lord shall count when he writeth up the people that this man was born there. You see, Luke 2, 1 through 3 fulfills that. The government would take up a census and, uh, and, and bring everybody in. He prophesied that hundreds of years before in Psalms. And yet, Luke 2 fulfills that. Micah 5, 2, Thou Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. He, it was prophesied in Micah 2 that the Savior, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem. How'd they know that? Bethlehem is just a little shack on the side of the road. And yet that's exactly what verse 4 says and verse 11 says it was come true. My favorite one I love is in Isaiah 1-3. The ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. You know what that says? That says that the ox and the donkeys in the stable knew it was the Messiah. They had more sense than the people of Israel. They knew it was the Messiah. How did they know that? Way back in there. Isaiah prophesied. The people in 9-2 of Isaiah, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. He prophesied the birth of the Messiah, born as a child. What a joy to know the truth. Man, to be able to go back to the days of Walter Concrete where you knew the evening news was just going to be just the news. Didn't matter what his opinion was, he was just going to give you the news. You don't have that anymore. I don't care what station you turn to. You don't have that anymore. We, we're confused on what to believe and what to understand. But listen to me. As a child of God, it's been settled in heaven what this book is. It's not going to change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That ought to be joyful for us. You say, preacher, there's some things in this book I don't like. There's some things in this book I don't like. But you know the reason I don't like them? 
because I'll be walking in the flesh when I don't like them. If I walk in the spirit, I'll like them. Well, that part about turning your cheek to your other neighbor. Mm. It's written. It's inspired. It's God-breathed. We don't talk much about breathing on people today because of COVID. But the Holy Spirit of God breathed this. It's alive. Every word is reliable. It's always true. Covered to cover. Let me just close with two illustrations. I love the missions primarily because of the children. The people over there are in any country you go to. Pick your country. They're depressed. They're, they're trying to make ends meet. They're trying to feed their children. Just basic necessities. But if you look at the children, they're always smiling. They're always happy. They'll take an old tire that we wouldn't give 25 cents for and play with that tire all day long. Just be happy. Just be joyful. You see, joy is contagious, but so is depression. Two illustrations and I'm through. The fella who was about to jump from the bridge alert police officer slowly, methodically moved toward him. He got pretty close to him. And he said, man, you don't want to jump. Tell, tell me about it. Talk to me. Talk to me. Tell me about it. Why would you want to jump? He said, well, my wife left me. The business that I started, it's gone bankrupt. My friends have deserted me. Everything in life has lost meaning. Said he talked about 30 minutes. Both of them ended up jumping. <laughs> you, you want to depress your Christmas? Just run on in there with a little depression. Because it, it, it'll spread. This is what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said there is a marvelous medicinal power in joy. Most medicines are distasteful, but this medicine, which is the best of all medicines, is sweet to the taste, comforting to the heart. This blessed joy is very contagious. One dolorous spirit brings a kind of plague into the house. One person who is wretched seems to stop all the birds from singing wherever he goes. But the grace of joy is contagious. Holy joy will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. Holy joy will beautify you and give you an influence over the lives of others. And I'll tell you, what people need more than anything else is men and women, young people, children who've come to know Jesus Christ, who once walked in darkness, but now walk in light. And they've got the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Baptists have always gotten that one backwards. I see it for 50 years. I've watched it. We have this idea. We get this old boy in here. Let's let him take up the offering. I mean, he just robbed a store last night and was drunk. But let's take up the offering today. It'll get him involved in the church. 
Let's put him over the kids. Let's let him do this. And we think the stronger we can get somebody, the more joyful they'll become. That's what the Scripture says. The Scripture says you get the joy of the Lord. And then you take up the offering. If you can't take up the offering smiling with the joy of the Lord, don't take up the offering. If you can't take up the offering, if you can't teach Sunday school smiling with the joy of the Lord, thanking God for it, then don't teach Sunday school or life groups, large groups, whatever you want to call it. The joy. I just remind us again that all of these things we think are going to make us all happy. Take it from an old man that knows. There comes a time when all you're doing is maintaining. You can buy swing sets and you can buy bicycles and then them dudes have got to be oiled and they've got to be greased and the chains break and the seats rot. And I mean, all, you'll, if you're not careful, you'll come a time in your life when all you do is sit back and try to maintain and keep your head above water. And God never intended for you to live like that. Like that. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I trust God would put that joy within you. Now, I want to just tell you quickly here. You can't have that joy unless you've been saved. Joy only comes through Jesus. I'm talking to some of you today. You never had a personal relationship with Jesus. And today, you need to say, Lord Jesus, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. Maybe you need a church home. Maybe you need just to come to this altar. We don't have a whole lot left down here, but you can still kneel down here. Let God have his way. Father, thank you today for allowing us to come to this place and worship you. Thank you, Lord, that when we sing joy to the world, it's not based on what we have. It's not based on what we may accomplish. Lord, it's based on the fact that one day you sent your Savior as a Messiah, as a baby. And Lord, there'll be another day when you'll send him again. When you'll say, I've had enough. Son, go get my children. And we're going to be caught up to meet you in the air. God, I pray quickly you'd come. But I pray also for those who are not ready for you to come. God, may today be their day of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? Brother Aaron leads us this morning. You come. Brother Case is here. I'm here. You come. Come on. Your only son seeing too high, but you have sent him from your side to walk upon this guilty sod and to become the Lamb of God. Oh, Lamb of God, sweet Lamb of God, I love the Holy Lamb of God. Oh, wash me in His precious blood, my Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Your gift of love they crucified 
They laughed and scorned him as he died. The humble king they named a fraud and sacrificed the Lamb of God. O Lamb of God, sweet Lamb of God, I love the Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. I was so lost, I was so lost, I should have died. But you have brought me to your side to be led by your staff and rod and to be called a said amen you can be seated just a moment won't take me just a moment i'm going to give you some time back today and uh so i'll i'll take it back from you next week but uh, i'll give it back to you today do not miss tonight i was sharing with the 
earlier service uh, as a mu measure of music. One of the, the most hardest things to digest for me was to know that this choir, 75 strong, has worked this hard and done all of this, and then this place be half-filled tonight. Hey, come back, bring somebody with you. The only time this auditorium's ever been packed, it's a disgrace. The only time it's ever been packed was for Tim Hawkins, a comedian. Hmm. Y'all can't afford him, so don't think about hiring him as pastor. <laughs> Come back tonight. You're going to be blessed. It's going to blow your socks off. It's going to be good, good, good. Don't forget, next Sunday night's Life Group Connects. And then on the 21st, December, uh, it's a Tuesday night. In the uh, Grand Hall, we have uh, Dennis Swanberg that will be with us. And it's a dessert, uh, wassail, chocolate, coffee-type thing. And we're going to have a great time. It's all free. Bring anybody you want to bring, many visitors as you can, and we'll have a great time of fellowship. Then the next night, we've been lighting the candles, and on that next night, the Wednesday night, we'll have the Lord's Supper and the uh, light.